Before we get to the show, I want to tell you a quick message from our friends at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer does not stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event. Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we're going to talk about Kevin Durant officially ending his season. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Mike, you going to flagellate yourself in public here? Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Whatever. You can just you can find us on Twitter. Hello. I don't care. Hello. I don't really care if you go find us on Twitter. You could find us on netsdaily.com. Also don't care. I don't <laughs> read the comments. It's not that you don't care. It's that you don't want to be seen. Don't you're like don't look at me. <laughs> don't seem don't find me anywhere. You can go to the Athletic and get 40% off an annual subscription to the Athletic. The Athletic dot com slash glue guys but i also i mean i do care about that but everything else oh boy it's a wasteland why don't you tell the people why you're in this this strange mood this (sighs) whatever brian man (laughs) this is gonna be a big mia culpa episode i wonder how much how much mia culpa ing you'll do this could i mean this could be the first of a series a whole three-part series of mia culpa ing (laughs) If oh, if Mia Culpa was a cereal box, I would only be able to buy it at Costco, and it would be abstract. Wow. It would <laughs> it would feel <laughs> yeah. uh, whatever. Basketball's stupid. Who really cares? Wow. Um, I don't really. I'm, don't, this podcast don't is now a Brooklyn Cyclones mm. podcast. Let me, Brian, it, how are let, you? Me, let me frame it like this, Mike. You had at least you had the courage. <laughs> Brian you know, just took of, off his glasses. A lot of people in the media. Coastal global media elite, of which we are certainly members. Sure, um, they don't have the huevos like to really have a take and stick to their guns, despite every indication that they should ab- abort that take. You know, right away, <laughs> and they didn't. And you didn't. You a lot of people don't do that. You did. Um, now here's the th- here's the bad news. <laughs> Your take didn't age well. But look. <laughs> You had the initial wavos, and for that, I think we should do a little, a tiny applause, not a full-throated applause, a golf clap, silver lining. I've I've set you up for something here. I don't know. Do you want to tell the people what happened? So, uh, before I get to that, um, we, my take, if you don't know, if you're a new listener to the show, 
my take from the entirety that basically Kevin Durant has been a Brooklyn Net from June 30th or June, yeah, June 30th from the moment that he signed with the Brooklyn Nets until this past Friday was that Kevin Durant was going to come back and play basketball this season. And we had a pretty unique event that happened this season that delayed the season. We had a global pandemic, a once in a century global pandemic that shut down planet Earth besides Sweden. Sweden kept going, but everywhere else in the world shut down. It ended the basketball season for what will end up being April, May, June, July, four months, four and a half months. That's how bad it is. I don't, I don't even know the calendar anymore. The Gregorian calendar has been shoved out of my brain. Absolutely now, yeah. And those extra four months should have led to a recovery. But even those extra four months, even a global pandemic, a once in a century global pandemic still wouldn't allow me to be right on my take. And what I would really like to do is apologize. Wow. Because you never, you never hear that from the global coastal media elite. You never do. If you know anything about me, I take this show very seriously. And I think that everything I say on the show permeates through the rest of the Nets fan base, though I know in reality, it's just our beautiful, dedicated listeners. And I love you all so much. But I feel like I am partly responsible for the belief that Kevin Durant would come back this season. And I feel like I let people down. Yeah. Because I perpetrated that belief. Well, you did, Mike. You blew it. And everyone hates you now. So, I mean, if that's the if that's the worst that comes of this, I mean, how bad is it? Every, so, okay, so everybody hates you. Big deal. <laughs> so it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I will say my take was right because Kevin himself <laughs> wow. said he was healthy. Wow. <laughs> wow, there it is. There he is. He's back, people. Um, no, so obviously, if you haven't caught up, this happened Friday night. Uh, Kevin Durant spoke with Marcus Spears uh, with the undefeated. Interesting that Spears got the got the nod for the for the big news. Yeah, and and so if you don't know, I mean, the the it was a Q and A between Spears and Durant, and most of it, and the most important part, of course, is about Black Lives Matter and everything that's going on in our country since George Floyd's George Floyd's killing, but. Part of it, of course, and I'm sure this was a precondition to the interview, was that Spears says, I would like to ask you about your season. And Durant chose to do this interview at this time to speak out on the major issue of our time at the moment. But of course, he knows that he was waiting until the NBPA vote to have this Q&A released so that he could officially declare that he is not playing basketball this season for the Brooklyn Nets. And he... I really appreciate what he said because he did. There's a lot of questions that, that Spears asked Durant, and Durant seemingly op- answered them honestly. Though this wasn't an audio Q and A or visual Q and A, this was a written one, so we don't really know the exact tone of this. But here's the key quote for everyone out there: Do you plan to play for the Nets in Orlando, or is your season over? And Durant says, "My season is over. Oh, I don't plan on playing at all. We decided last summer when it first happened that I was just going to wait until the following season." I had no plans of playing at all this this season. And all there's all these things that we can get into. I, I am interested in the we decided last summer. Who is the we? I don't think it was Sean Marks of the Nets. I think it was Kevin Durant, Rich Kleiman, and everyone else that sort of is within Kevin Durant's orbit. Anyone else in the Stonemasons could be Illuminati. Who knows? And, and so let me... I mean, from what it seemed like the reporting leading up to this moment, like the Nets were leaving the door open for Durant to play this season 
even though Sean Marks had continually said they have no plans for him to do so, I think it really was Durant making this decision himself with his with his team and saying, there's no way at all I'm playing. The, I think they gave themselves a 1% chance for the weird scenario where like Kyrie Irving and the Nets, Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert, led the team onto some 60-win season where Durant, of course, could then be ushered into an easy playoffs. But once the global pandemic hit and everything hit, um, and the team obviously isn't that good, and Kyrie got hurt, it just became something that would never happen. Um, I mean, you want my take, Mike? Please. I think he's still coming back. I think it's... <laughs> Star! <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. He's not coming back. Um, but I will th- I will say this, that I think I still stand by my take last week about the, the Kyrie Irving element moved the needle maybe more than we wanted to. Because I realized he went, he got his shoulder surgery on March 3rd. That's not very long ago, Mike, at all for that, for that particular kind of impingement surgery. And I don't think, I mean, I don't blame Kevin Durant for not wanting to take a hard-fought six-game L against Toronto this season in the playoffs to come to race back to that does not make a ton of sense. And and as a newsman, I feel obligated to do this. We even got the news nugget that Kyrie Irving seemingly is definitely done for the season two. Adrian Wojnarowski reported on Friday as well. I think moments after Marcus Spears column came out with Kevin Durant, Woj reported that Kyrie said on the NBPA call on Friday, I think it was that Kyrie has talked about going to Orlando to support the team as an injured player uh, to be with the team in Orlando, which I would, Kyrie, don't do that. We don't need to see you on the, don't go to Orlando. Like why you don't want to see him. I, I, he, so Kevin Durant partly in the Spears article too, was also asked, would, are you going to go to Orlando to rehab with the team and to be a part of the team? And he says, we're still trying to figure that out. I don't know if you're an injured player, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, don't go to Orlando. That's a, Potentially, I'm not saying dangerous situation, but it's an unpredictable situation that has, if you're in a bubble city and there people are concentrated in a, a certain area, I don't find it to be safer don't they than have the being outside and being more quarantined by yourself oh, I, as opposed yeah. to being quarantined with I mean, the mass Durant, amount of people. Durant has the antibodies, so he's good He to does. Go. He's safe. Yeah. That's, and that's kind of banking on the fact that he had that is why he was going to come back this season because... Um, no, but I mean, overall, it is it. So it stunk to get that news. And I will say we were presaged that advice about what Kevin Durant was going to do by well, the one and only Anthony Puccio. And all credit to Pooch. And I'm kind of surprised he's not getting enough credit in the moment because Pooch went out there on the tree limb mm-hmm. that is being a journalist and said two sor- multiple sources told me or two sources tell me that Kevin Durant is not planning to come back this season. It's not happening. He did that before, about seven hours, eight hours before Marcus Spears' column with Kevin Durant comes out. And Pooch was out there on his own. Scooping. Out scooping people. And it came, it 100% came out. And, scooping and, scoops. And Brian and I even, I was like, we were like, should we pod? What are we doing? It's like, obviously, let's let's just put a pin on it. Let's see what happens. And then Kevin Durant, of course, confirms Anthony Puccio's report. Um, so all shouts to Pooch. Um my kind of thing is like, what has happened since then, since Kevin Durant has decided, officially declared that he's not going to come back this season, is there has been some criticism of Kevin Durant in Brooklyn Nets fan circle 
because Durant himself even says that he is healthy and that if he's healthy, what would be stopping him? I, I just generally like how I feel about that is that I am not going to criticize any person that decides they don't want to participate in the quarantine playoffs. I don't, I, I think it's, even wow. though he's getting paid a, for, across the line, anybody that doesn't want to doesn't, doesn't have to. Doesn't have to. I mean, I mean, I there's a different situation in baseball where they're haggling over money, and you you could view players as maybe being greedy in baseball. Though I don't view them that way. I view the owners trying to protect their bottom line for one season as opposed to doing what's good for the game. In basketball, yeah, their salaries are going to decrease, and you need the league to continue for them not to decrease to such a significant degree that it's crazy. But I'm not going to criticize Kevin Durant, a guy who was hurt leading into going into the NBA Finals last year, tears his Achilles, a devastating injury, rehabs all year, global pandemic hits. He has contracted coronavirus. That is a scary thing, no matter even if you're asymptomatic or not. And we, antibodies, sure, he may be safe from the virus, at least for this summer, if not for the whole year or his whole life, who knows. But... I don't, I, I, how can you like judge a person for not wanting to be a part of, of that situation, particularly if you're coming back from an injury? I don't, he's healthy. I don't, I don't, I'm not disappointed that he's not, I'm not, I am disappointed, but I'm not like, oh, I think less of Kevin Durant because he's not going to be sending himself to Orlando for two months time. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I, it just doesn't it doesn't rise to the level of anger and outrage. And I'll tell you, for a person who's had this like terrible take for the whole year, yeah. It would be more in character if I just started yelling and saying how selfish of Kevin Durant. The fact no. that No. I mean, you couldn't possibly at this point do that. You know, you have to <laughs> double down. <laughs> I mean, how many downs have I is it a quadruple down? Is it quintuple this down? This is this is more downs than I don't know. This is getting very down. Very down dirty. Yes. System um, of a down. This is a whole system. Of a down. Of a down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you, I know it's not, I'm not going to ask you if you're surprised, but what do you think overall? <laughs> well, I about put this? it at 51% that I thought he was going to come back. So I was like 1% surprised that he he didn't come back. What do you think of his decision? To, like realistically deciding he has stated he is healthy, but for deciding not to come back this season to wait to the following season. Again, I'll, I mean, I keep going back to this, but I think that the Kyrie thing really, really doomed um, his chances of coming back. If if Kyrie was a lot further along in his shoulder surgery situation, that would be a game changer. But um, like I said, I just don't think it makes a ton of sense to to take a, a to work super hard for that first or second round exit. I just don't. I don't. I don't like it. I don't like it. I personally don't even want it. You know, I don't want to to sort of. It's. I'm excited for putting Kevin Durant out there for the first time in his in the best shape of his life with all of the news cycle about how excited he is to finally play and not in some, you know, bubble situation that's already got all kinds of question marks around it and stuff. I'd like I want the 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 royal treatment. I want them to roll out the red carpet and this doesn't feel like a rolling out the red carpet situation even from just like an optics PR marketing 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 perspective. Like I just don't love it that much. Yeah, and and I I do think the one thing I will scoff at is this idea that it would be a condensed schedule for him to be in Orlando. Yeah, there would be there would be one back to back from what we understand, and the playoffs would be more condensed in the first round than they normally are. There would be a back to back in the playoffs as well, but um, 
I thought you were going to sneeze. That's why I was like prepared was, for like. Some... I was yawning and also getting a, a <laughs> fly that was flying around. It's a lot going on. No, I. I but I, the the schedule as laid out, from what we understand, wouldn't have been all that more condensed than a regular season. And I think for a guy who's rehabbing, who had the X amount of time that he has had now off of the injury and to rehab and to continue working out, I kind of think it would have been a beneficial thing to at least have done training camp into eight regular season games and then a first round. And then let's say they lose to the Raptors. Okay, then then you get like a solid 14 games in. And then you get you have something to judge Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert playing with Kevin Durant with. You have an idea of where Durant is now because he's not going to play basketball for another six months. Best case scenario, frankly, is another six months when he's like going to be on the court as a Brooklyn Net. But you're so right that Kyrie's injury is the thing that killed Kevin Durant's comeback. It's all Kyrie Irving's fault, Brian. <laughs> no, well, and also like, and back to the like the marketing situation of it there's also like a basketball sort of weird psychology thing to it like i'm reminded of the first time that jason kidd came to play for the nets and we were suddenly good it was just like working we were miraculously good for the first time maybe in whatever like 10 years and first time maybe ever like really really good when we were in the nba um and there was something very special about it just coming together and working from day one you know and i think that if you bring kevin durant into the situation without Kyrie irving you're not putting Anybody in the best situ- position to have like a special just out of the gate. Oh, this is the new paradigm of the Nets being a great team. It's a little bit of a half step towards that in a way that I think is uh, less ideal for that. Just like, you know, motivation, that that downward momentum or uphill, downhill, some kind of momentum that, you know, inertia that means that propels you into being a great, great team. Capital G great team. Well, and, and here's the actual like benefit too about part of what Kevin Durant not not coming back. I think if Durant had said, I'm going to come back, that Kyrie Irving would have pushed himself to come back. I mean, here's the thing, like Kyrie gets a bad rap for because he's constantly injured. But the thing is he's constantly injured because he's trying to play through injuries. And that's a little like he's had knee injuries because he's played through knee injuries. This past season he had shoulder injuries that he kept trying to play through when what we know about shoulder impingement, you either need full rest or surgery. You you can't keep getting the cortisone shot because you're only going to continue to damage that part of the body and lead to possibly rotator cuff damage. Kyrie probably knew the whole season, right, that Kevin Durant wasn't going to play for the most part. I mean, I don't think Durant made the decision really this past summer. I think he left the door open just enough that if something strange like a 60-win season happened, that he would allow himself to come back. But for the most part, Kyrie knew that this wasn't going to happen. And knowing that, it's actually even more impressive about what Kyrie has tried to do this past season because he's tried to play basketball in injury with a team that really wasn't all that great um, because he wanted to play for the Nets and he wanted this to be his team. And he allowed it to get to a point where he nearly really seriously damaged his shoulder. I mean, he needed shoulder surgery. And because Durant isn't coming back for the Orlando bubble, Kyrie won't. We know that now. Kyrie is not coming back. And that his injury more than Durant's almost is like, I want Kyrie to just be in his own little bubble. Like, I want that shoulder to be perfect by December. 
And I think if you rush him back, a shoulder injury is something that could just go like suddenly snap back into being horrible. Like if his shoulder wasn't right, he he would have compensated him for some way or he would have done something else or he could have just re-injured it. Well, now we know Kyrie is going to be, he's going to be the guy who's like 100% ready to go in December. While Durant's probably like ready to go right now, there's no value in it for him, particularly with Kyrie being out. But I'm with you where it's like, it stinks because we haven't had sports in three months or whatever. And the next season was coming towards the playoffs and we had Kyrie and then we didn't. There's the hope of Kevin Durant. Now we don't. And it we, we're seeing sports again on the horizon. And it's exciting to think about, oh, if the Nets had Kevin Durant, how exciting it would be to watch the Nets in Orlando on TV every night with the second best player in the NBA on the floor for the Brooklyn Nets. But you're right where it's like, it wouldn't have been, it would have been like, I don't know, like making a really great hungry man microwave dinner mm. or having a Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I mean? Where it's like hungry man dinner is delicious, but it's temporary <laughs> where, and, and that would have been during Orlando Thanksgiving dinner takes seven hours. But by the time you get to that seven hours of cooking, what a feast. This is the and kind that, of analogy that can only come from eating 48 straight hours of fried chicken, <laughs> which Mike has admitted to just before this call. I have just like crumbly breadcrumbs pouring out of my pores. Oh, God. This moment. I've eaten so much fried chicken lately. <clears throat> Living the not, dream. Not great. Not not a great <laughs> body <laughs> experience. Yeah. Um, do a couple extra squats. Uh, but hey, here's the good news. We yes. don't have to talk about Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant again. <laughs> For the entirety of this next little piece of the season, plus postseason and all that stuff, we know where we stand. There are no more question marks. I promise. When I was when I said I thought Kevin Durant was coming back, that that was a joke. That's not going to be a recurring theme. Although I do think he is coming back. I have to say it in all seriousness. I'm just kidding. I'm still kidding. I swear. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, we can move on now. Finally, the curse has been lifted a little bit. You know, at least there's some clarity. And, and it kind of feels like we're podcasting back like two years ago, right? Where it's like th- these superstars on the team that we had been, I had been obsessing over at least the Kevin Durant aspect of it, that's gone away. And now we get to just track the progress of Karis LeVert and Spencer right. Dinwiddie. <laughs> right. It feels like this happens every season. We've, we've really back to, to tracking the progress of Karis LeVert. That is, that's where we belong. Um, let's take a quick break and then we'll actually get to the Nets that are really going to play basketball this year. Let's do it. We have been podcasting for what? Seven years? At least. And the thing that you and I love the most is the interaction with our listeners. We love the mailbag. If you want to mail us, netspod at gmail.com. Please do. Uh, We love that. But there's another way you can interact with the show, which is buying ad space. How great would that be? You could literally buy ad space on our show. If you're a small business owner, a big business owner, any kind of business owner. You could buy ads on our very show. How crazy is that? A Brooklyn business owner, even. Um, and the way to do that is to go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads. All one word, podcast ads. Very simple form on there. You're going to say, hey, I want to advertise on the glue guys. This is what I want to do, blah, blah, blah. Someone will get back to you and say, hey, this is how much it may cost to do so. We have very high ad rates because everyone that listens to us is a one percenter. That's just kind of the crowd that we appeal towards. <laughs> is this part of the um, copy? <laughs> no, no, this, yeah. none of this has been the copy. This is all <laughs> just made up. Um, 
But you, but we also, you know, you didn't hear this when I did this ad read. Previously, I said, you know, if you're a clothing company and you want to advertise for clothes, you can do that. Also, we have many nudists who listen to our show. Good. That is good. We're big in the nudist community. Um, so certainly, if you want your, you want Brian and I to read your ad copy, it may cost some money, but it would be very exciting. And we would love to do that. So go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads and your ad could be on this very show. Well, let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets that are actually going to continue to be Brooklyn Nets for this season. Spencer, nobody cares. Levert, Jared Allen, Torian Chris, Prince, Joy Chris Harris. Chioza? Chris Chioza will Question probably mark? be full-time Brooklyn Net guy, no, I looked, dude. I did some, when we were looking for um, catch and shoot shooters for our super in-depth 25 part uh series on who could be on the nets next season uh i'll tell you what chris chioza's name would have been super high on my board for catch and shoot conversion percentage very high very high mike yeah so one thing i do want to say one small argument that i would like to posit don't know if i support it but i'd like to posit Mm -hmm. the nets do stand at a very interesting point in this 22 team format I think we can all be realistic to think that the Nets aren't going to get past the first round of the playoffs when they get there. Right? I think... Whoa. It would be unusual if they did. It would be very exciting. It would be worthwhile if they did, but it would be unusual. Mm -hmm. There is a scenario that they could tank and then get back a draft pick, which would be very exciting. Oh, Mike. Michael. You just don't know how to not step in it. That's You know, that's what I really love about you. You know, you just... You move off one toxic talking point right into the next. It's just, just a frog on a lily pad, man. Jump from pad to pad. It's really but there's just inspiring sulfuric acid and lava yeah, totally. under the lily pad. A bo- oh, both acid and lava. Rare. <laughs> you see both in the same, same <laughs> mixture. Um, so if you don't know, so the NBA is bringing back 22 teams, right? And only nine teams in the East. So only one team in the East who is going to be brought back will not be in the playoffs. It's most likely going to be Washington. But the way it's going to work is they're going to play eight regular season games, which will determine the final standings. And if the ninth-seeded team is within four games of the eighth-seeded team, they will play one game. If the eighth-seeded team loses that game, they'll play another game. If the AC team loses that game, then the ninth seed will then become the eighth seed, and then we'll go into a playoffs. Mm. The Nets could potentially, if they wanted to, lose all their games in Orlando, send out the Musa, Chioza, Kurutz, Claxton, sure. Jeremiah Martin lineup, okay, and lose all eight games. Let the Wizards, I mean, the Wizards still may not overtake them. The Wizards. Let, even still, the the Wizards will <laughs> maybe be wanting to lose more than the Nets, yeah. And and then lose that that play in tournament game against the Wizards or whoever. Uh, well, it would be the, it, it would be against yeah it would be against the Wizards in that scenario because the Magic probably couldn't lose enough, enough games either because they would win two games against the Nets. And then the the Nets pick is in the lottery, and if it's in the lottery, they keep it. Currently, it's heading to Minnesota because of the Allen Crab trade. But I do find it kind of intriguing. You know, again, this bubble scenario, if you don't have Duran and Irving, I'm not like, I don't really find much benefit in going to Orlando, doing all the things you have to do to play into the playoffs. I'm not saying they should tank, but it is an interesting idea of like everything in the organization has been oriented towards next year. The coach that they had in Kenny Atkinson has been fired. 
Kyrie got his surgery and is preparing for next season. Durant is healthy, but literally says, I'm preparing for next season. So Jock Vaughn, sure, he could prove a lot, but he's unlikely still to be your coach going into next season. And if a really savvy organization, the one I'm sure the NBA would be furious if they made this move, could be like, we're just going to send the Long Island Nets. And wow. they're going to play wow. where they're going to play these games. Wow. Uh-huh. I mean, they couldn't literally do that. You would have mm-hmm. to sign some guys off sure. Long Island Nets and you would have to tell DeAndre Jordan just to I think it, I hope everyone understood that. Yeah, we weren't literally. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something to kind of think of. Let's just say in the beginning of Orlando, the Nets go 0-4 to start. I think the drumbeat of like, let's freaking tank this thing is going to get louder and louder. And if they had their first round pick back, they would have two first round picks. And then that becomes the like a really intriguing way to start building up your asset pile to get Bradley Beal or something like that. Are you anti-tank? Um, Mike, I'll tell you what. I've been waiting a long time, three months now, to see what, it, uh, what 15 extra pounds of muscle might do to Karis LeVert's game. And... I want to see. I want to see that in action. No holds barred. Throw that 15 pounds around like a menace to society. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, I. two things. I don't think I don't think they have... I don't think that that will happen, I guess. I mean, we can argue the logic behind it, and I'm sure that we will. I'm sure that if, the, if we do come out pretty uh, lackluster when we finally get to Orlando and we do lose those four games, I agree. That conversation will start to happen... Um, in earnest, for sure. But up until that point, those first four games, Mike, those are going to be played for with a ton of intensity because people are eager to get back into playing basketball. That's just a sneaking suspicion I have. Um, and also, like, there's a couple of guys out there. You know, Jacques Vaughn wants to play for that job next year. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, we were just looking at the Nets Daily um, poll thing that they did of, of their, their audience. Jacques Vaughn did pretty good. Second place next next to somebody else on, on the poll, um, which is good, though. I mean, it's like, you know, Jacques Vaughn is not the, um, I don't know, I hate to say, he's not the sexiest tire yet, but, you know, if we have a, a pretty surprise. Sexy. Pretty sexy. I mean, just physically. Like, his name a, is Jacques a, Vaughn. That's a sexy <laughs> name. He's got right. an amazingly sexy name, and he's physically very attractive. But in terms of hiring prestige yeah. for head coaches, does not have the sexiness of... A Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> Are you saying so? Okay, <laughs> just kidding. let's just rephrase here. You're saying Tibbs is sexier in than a Jacques certain Vaughn. Sexiness is all his about name context. Is literally, Jacques Vaughn. Tim, Thibodeau. It's the sexiest name. Thibodeau. No, Tom. Tom Thibodeau is physically repulsive. No disrespect, and I wouldn't want to be. <laughs> I, I don't mean that. That's rude. I should not say that. <laughs> That's so Can we edit that out? I'm sorry. He's a good. Look. He's got some. He's fine. He's, he's normal. got some Tony Soprano swagger. Totally. He's a and. I I'm, I just did that for the for the yucks. I really didn't mean it. I am also physically attracted to Tom Tibbo. but I do think I do think Jacques Vaughn is uh, in terms of hiring prestige not quite at that level. Although I would want Jacques Vaughn over Tom Thibodeau. So anyway, so but like you know what I mean, the masthead. You know, name at the top yes. of the, the top of the masthead. <laughs> I think Jacques Vaughn would take that super seriously. Want to rack rack it up. Uh, rack up some wins and maybe have you know try to give Toronto a real run for their money in the first round to you know put a little data point on his resume to say like hey 
That was not a bad run. I really rallied the troops in a less than ideal situation. We did some stuff, you know? I think that there's some motivation there for him. Karis LeVert, also, you know, we're guilty of this. We've thrown his name around a bit in trade packages, Mike. Sure have. We did, we did that with Spencer Dinwiddie, too. Friend of the show, Spencer Dinwiddie, we did that, too. It's not because we wanted to, Mike. It's because that's the kind of conversation you have when... You know, these guys are at this level, at this price point, blah, 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 blah. You know, we're coastal media elite. We have no spine, and we put people's names in trade packages. It's just what happens. Spencer Dinwiddie has some stuff he wants to be proving down in Orlando himself. So some of these names, some of these guys are not, they're, you know, <clears throat> it's obviously not up to them, right? If 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 Joe Sy calls up Jacques and says, hey, Jacques, here's the plan. You know, that's that's sort of, and that's exactly how those things go. That's how those decisions are made, just in case anybody's... Of course not. That's not how any of this stuff is made. I think we've also done this without... With the exception of Hanky, has there ever been a public uh, tanking anything? Has anyone ever publicly admitted to tanking other than Hanky? Publicly admitted to tanking. I mean... Or what's the... Basically, the, what's basically any, yeah. the Cavs did at the end of this season. Right. But, I mean, because they literally... I, they literally like we're we're playing only young guys and we're not we're trading Andre Drummond, but no one hinky like there's been not even close to a hinky level bit like that level, yeah. right? Not even um, Jason. But anyways, my point is I think that um, a lot of the like kind of the big higher profile guys on the team right now uh, in this current situation have a lot to prove and would feel pretty inspired to do that in this weird circumstances. I think that they also think that this is, Oh, this is a weird enough circumstance where we can really surprise people. You know, we played together a long time. Um, you know, maybe we don't have the talent of some of these teams, but like, you know, this is a crew that's now like three years deep, you know, some of them four years. And, um, I think that, uh, they're feeling like, you know, they want to prove a, a thing or two out there. Mike, I don't know. What do you think? Heck. Well, and, and I, I mentioned this before, I think the NBA would be almost as furious as they were during the entirety of the process if a team literally tanked in this Orlando bubble scenario, right? <laughs> like if a team came in, <laughs> dude, they're putting out it though. I mean, the Wizards and the Suns, like this is a, those are teams do not have a lot to play for. Like they're really begging the question there, right? And I, I have a Wizards point in a second about like scheduling wise because we still don't know the schedule. We know what teams, which teams, most teams are going to be playing, but we don't know the schedule. But like. It, if the if the Nets actually went in there to tank, even though I kind of said they should, um, if they actually went in there to tank, uh, Adam Silver would be as mad as he has maybe ever been in his life. Because the message that it sends is that the the Nets and the Nets organization isn't taking seriously like a, a like their opportunity to liven up a, a moment during a global pandemic. Like they're not taking seriously this opportunity. I mean, it is an opportunity to be a part of this. 22 team format and if a team just went in there and tanked be bad now here's my wizard's point i will say so the only the only team that you're gonna have to worry about if you're the nets is the wizards right and we don't know exactly the schedule the idea around the schedule though will be that they're the nba is going to remove all the obviously all the teams the eight teams that aren't going to go from every team schedule and then those teams that are left off from all the games that would have been played if the season had continued, that will continue to be the team schedule. So for the Nets, it's the Clippers, Kings, Wizards, Celtics, Magic, Clippers, Magic, Trailblazers. But the thing is, those that order of games is going to be moved around because 
Like, if you look at Orlando's situation, if it was the same thing, it would be Pacers, Kings, Nets, Nets, Pelicans, 76ers, Raptors, and then there's one other game that they've determined. For the Nets, those Magic games come way later in their eight games than for Orlando. So they're going to play around with when those games are going to be played. So go back to the Wizards, the team that the Nets would have to be worried about if they're going to tank. The Wizards are, like, let's say the Wizards start 0-3. So they have the Celtics, Thunder, 76ers, the Nets, the Bucks, the Celtics, the Suns, and the Bucks. So they have two games against the Bucks. Celtics and Thunder, both very good. 76ers, very good. The Nets, not that great. And the Suns, also bad. Okay. So let's just say the Wizards schedule is Bucks, 76ers, Thunder. They start 0-3. They're out of the playoffs. They're not. There's. There's unless if the Nets and the Magic also went 0 3 to start, the, but the the Wizards would be out of the playoffs. So almost immediately, it would become unappetizing for them to continue to, you know, play Bradley Beal 35 minutes a game, which they may start off doing. They'll probably just shift to um, whatever crappy players they have on their bench and Davis Bertans playing center, just because that would be fun to see someone like him playing center. So. You know, the Nets are guaranteed, like to me, the Nets are guaranteed to get into the playoffs simply because the distance between the Wizards right now to the Magic, which is like four and a half games or whatever, or five games, plus the fact that the Wizards are probably going to start 0-3. If they get on a hot streak and the Nets stink, then the Nets don't deserve to be in the playoffs. And then they get to keep their pick. How great would that be? Um, It's exciting. Um, How about this? Let's just... End the end the pod because we can talk. I think next episode, what we can do is we can focus on like what we want to see out of Karis, what we want to see out of Spencer. We kind of dive into the team that we'll actually have. But today was just a yeah, Mia a Culpa. moment in time. It's just good because say, also these thank you, Kevin, po- for a great season. These police Ex- helicopters are fucking flying over now. So excited for next season, and uh, hopefully that next season does happen. Brian, okay. thank oh, wait. you. <laughs> that was the end of the sorry. I thought you were doing an aside. No, that's it. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Sad that you pulled me aside there. Sorry. Didn't mean to swear about the police helicopters, but yeah, that's what's that's what's going on in this dystopian podcasting future. Anyways, yeah, thanks for having me, Mike.